Hey, thanks for listening to Made In. This podcast is hosted by me, Jasmine, and my better half, Evie. And we are two Asian Canadian women in Toronto talking about current events, culture, and society moments. We hope that Made In is a safe living room space where you can feel like you're sitting on the couch with us and joining in on the conversation. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to Maiden. Hey, sorry. That's really funny. Just before this started, there's a huge beep outside somebody's window, but it's fine. And we're all <laughs> Good start. Today we have someone who I regard as like a local legend. I've been listening to his stuff for a long time and somehow our world brought us together. I'm really happy to have Paul Chin on the show. He's a music producer and a DJ. He's based in Toronto. He draws inspiration from his identity and his upbringing growing up in the Cayman Islands uh, and his Chinese Jamaican background as well. And he's constantly learning, learning to try to discover new things through music, but also through life. And I also have this man on Twitter and he is amazing and super funny and recently did this whole BTS thing, but we'll bu- we're about to get into that in a little bit. <laughs> but first of all, Jazz and also Paul, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hello. Very excited to be here. Big Maiden Stan. You know oh, what it is. Wow. You know what it we're is. fans, though. The weirdest fans. Wow. Yeah. Big honor. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And to kick us off, we'd love to hear from where you're made in. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. The geographical answer is uh, I am made in uh, the Cayman Islands. That's where I was born and raised. Where I was made in, I think, culturally, probably identify most strongly as Jamaican. Both my parents are Jamaican. My Mm. dad is Chinese Jamaican. Both of them grew up there. You know, the funny thing about the diaspora is, you know, when you leave somewhere and arrive somewhere new, you just kind of like travel in a time, locked in a time warp. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, I mean, everything I knew growing up was very Jamaican. You know, I, first of all, definitely 100% the only Chinese Jamaican I met until I was like well into my teens, uh, who wasn't like related to me. Uh, Yeah, at the time I was growing up there, you know, there were just weren't a ton, certainly not in the Cayman Islands. And uh, yeah, like even amongst like a lot of the people I knew, I would say the the bulk of like the or like I guess like the biggest proportion of like immigrants growing up, like, you know, in my classes were probably also Jamaicans. But Mm. um still smaller compared to like local Caymanians. And I mean, what is a native Caymanian is a whole other thing. Mm. Um, Where am I made in, in terms of like who I am on a day-to-day basis and how I sort of like present and, and move about in the world. Very much a Toronto man's. Um, (laughs) Very much a Toronto, Toronto very much a Toronto man's. (laughs) Toronto is the only city I've ever lived in, in Canada. I moved here in 2008 and yeah like I was I my first place was at uh Lansdowne and DuPont I'm now very now very much like a Chinatown guy I had a brief stint like in Bloordale and now I'm Mm. like you know Chinatown all the way so did you come to um Toronto from the Cayman Islands in 2008 so no I so I finished high school in 2006 and then I lived in Costa Rica for 2 years. Wow. I did a I did a like this a weather I'm a, so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I did a did a scholarship program with a United World College so I was in school there for 2 years. I was wow. in school but not really there for school. It was mostly like a 
I'm trying to like bide my time kind of thing because mm-hmm. I had milking it. Yeah, just trying to. Well, I mostly knew what I wanted to do in life. I just kind of needed a little more time to figure it out, figure out how I wanted to go about it. Because up until I was like 15, 16 or so, uh, I was very much like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be super academic and do all the things. Both my parents are teachers, by the way. So academics were always very like highly regarded, high priority. And yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff very much get on track to like go off to university, get this degree, and then I'm going to go to law school. I want to be a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. The dream. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was like maybe 15 or so that I realized, oh, you know, my whole life, everyone's been telling me, oh, you should be a lawyer when you grow up. You're so smart. Which is really just kind of like a weird way to tell a kid you're an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, true. You you talk too much. You talk too much. You argue too much. You're (laughs) argumentative. But like, I kind of bought into that. Uh, because everyone <laughs> told me that all the time. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Brainwashed. And then, yeah, then I, you know, did like two weeks of an internship at a law firm. I was like, I hate this. This is the worst. These are these people are so, t- I hate everything about this. I want nothing to do with this. And <laughs> yeah. I felt, and I, and I genuinely felt like my like life to that point had been kind of like rot. I felt like I'd been finessed in some way because I was like, I could have just been doing what I like doing, which is like, I love making art. I love art. I love comic books. I love drawing all the time. I want to do this. So I basically had like a late start on my sort on my, you know, uh, quote unquote, five year plan. You know, the thing like basically every high schooler kind of gets thrust into at some point. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, let me do this other thing, pad out the resume a little bit, buy some time and figure out how I want to go about that. And so in 2008, I moved to Toronto to go to OCAD um, Mm. and uh, I did my degree in illustration and, uh, you know, worked for uh, as a designer, a freelancer, mostly Uh, worked some corporate work as well for a little bit. And then recently. I guess relatively recently just decided, you know what, this whole, uh, uh, again, I feel like I've been sold a false bill of goods. This whole like, (laughs) you know, yeah, Yeah. this like career, this career thing, the like climbing the ladder, the taking the steps, the uh, finding the prestigious gigs to like, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. build your name. Um, Yeah, I'm just not about this. None of this appeals to me as a human person who has to like walk around in this life and yeah. It has to be on the on the you know the behind the scenes part of all of that stuff, and you know this is not to say that that hasn't worked out for a lot of people, and you know many people I know and like you know went to school with did all of this stuff with right, but I think that that image or that sort of like quote unquote career path of like how you do things, how you like become you know the guy in your industry, yeah, is like. It, it disregards a whole lot of things that are that are real for a lot of people, which is, hey, you know what? This is an industry that's not really that progressive. This is an industry that doesn't have a lot of like black voices or black leadership mm-hmm. or uh, black figures. This is an industry that really is very self-congratulatory about just whatever, just like the most mediocre stuff and yeah. uh, isn't really, you know, doesn't really take a lot of risks um so on and so forth and yeah like after uh, like I hit 30 a couple years ago and realized I I've done so much in my 20s that I don't even Mm. remember it all I don't even remember it all and for some people I think you know 
that's kind of where you want to be. That's where you want to be, where it's like, I've done so much stuff. I've like really made an impact. I like worked hard, you know, turned out a bunch of stuff. A lot of my work has been everywhere, done all this stuff and has been meaningful. And, and it's been a good like payoff for that amount of like grinding. And I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way. I was like, I have done everything. I've worked every kind of job. I've worked every kind of like gig. I've like hustled. I've had nobody in my corner really to kind of like facilitate all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And here I am like now beginning a new decade of my life. And there's so much of my stuff that I feel like has just been made disposable because, Mm -hmm. because I spent so much of my time making everybody else's dreams come true. And they, and they couldn't even, and they couldn't even bother to have dreams more interesting than let's make a lot of money for shareholders mm, or whatever. Yeah, no, that hits so hard. I feel like we all have definitely f- like felt that, of course. And I think it's actually so admirable that both times, like, A, you actually went to that internship or whatever, that law thing, and you're like, oh, fuck that. That's so not for me. So even just like being there and you know what's for you and not for you, that's amazing, first of all, because for me, like, I didn't get a lot of parental pressure. I know there's lots of people who say they grew up with a lot of parental pressure, which is something, you know, fits into this whole model minority thing too. But it's like, it is a, it's really admirable that even after getting these, you know, the gigs, like you made it, you graduated school, you did it, like that you totally changed it up. And I actually would just want to know, like growing up, your parents are both teachers. I don't know if that was a lot of pressure or were they more like, you know what, like do you try everything uh, if you don't feel fulfilled as a human, like, uh, you know, go on to another path. Because again, like we talked to so many people on this show that have the path where they're like, oh, you know, my mom wants me like a doctor, a lawyer or uh, blah, 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 something that makes a lot of money. But at the end of the day, their paths were so different. And like they actually decided to be creative or do this or help people and stuff like that. So what was that like for you? Like, are your parents super high pressure on these kind of like career stand, I guess that's what you call it, career lifestyles, I guess. Yeah, uh, not so much anymore. And the reason for this, this is a strategy for all the the youths out there. (laughs) Oh, listen. Trying to to figure out how to like play the long game. Um, (laughs) I, so yeah, I quit my like salaried design job at a, you know, tech corporation whose stock has, inexplicably just continued to rise even after I've left. Um, Yeah. Tell us off the record at later. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, And I quit that job, you know, with the benefits and the, you know, the the perks and all all of that stuff. I left it. I left it because I'd been there and I was just like, man, I like hate every day of my life. And if it's Mm. not one thing, it's another and there's all this other stuff that I absolutely love doing and I'm still doing and I'm doing on the side and I and I'm doing at, at my own expense and, you know, Time. all this stuff, supporting community, putting on events, really supporting artists, supporting myself, like grinding it out to like make my stuff try to hit, you know, sucking it up and dealing with the losses and going back to this job when stuff misses yeah. and all of this stuff. And after a while, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I really can't because... I know that I am too good at what I do. I'm too good at what I do in any regard because I work that hard. I am that guy. Mm. Um, And for me to not be getting the career advancement that I deserve, not that I request, that I deserve. And we like 
and I have receipts for and all of this stuff and to just like basically be doing everybody's jobs better than them and not being yeah. trusted to be in charge of anything and and having to be having to report to people who like couldn't even get my job if they interviewed for it today and I yeah. was like I no we don't do this anymore this is enough <laughs> is enough um and so I was like yo look if I'm going to be this good at what I do and this impactful and uh this understated at the end of it all, maybe I just go do this for myself and apply this passion, this drive, this like grind, this work ethic to something that I think actually matters, which is not, you know, whatever this company makes, mm -hmm. um, which is instead all the music that I've been, you know, working on and, and tire, tirelessly like grinding away at to make sure that it is perfect, to make yeah. sure that this music hits, to make sure that everything like no skips all of this stuff and maybe i just do that because at the very least i'll have a boss that i like report to and i think he has good ideas which is me <laughs> which is me <laughs> so, wait so what was the long game so the long game yes the long game is <laughs> sorry Trying total to distraction notes. but the long game is yeah you start your career off by just uh Swinging for the fences, absolutely traumatize your parents early on your like your backwards <laughs> career moves. I had this theory too. I swear that all the kids that are Asian um, that rebelled in their early years now have <laughs> such better relationship with their parents. Whereas me, I was Woo. too good and I was so quiet and I was scared of her that now I, I'm I'm too late to play the long game. Yeah, I mean, I like when I when I came back from that like internship and I was like, I hate this. I'm not extending. I'm not doing this. I need to figure, I'm just not doing anything like this. I need to figure it out. The first thing I came back with was like, cool, I got it. I'm going to draw comic books. I'm going to be a professional mm. comic book artist. And um, my mom was just sort of like, okay. <laughs> and my dad was like, what? Absolutely not. That is not real. That's not a real thing. And we fought about it for years. And he was wow. like, and he was just like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to support this. I'm not going to be behind this, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I was like, all right, well, peace. I mean, I'm still going to I'm still going to do it. And, you know, I like got into school and, uh, you know, ended up getting a scholarship. So I was like, cool. Mm -hmm. Tuition is paid for blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, all of this. Um, and I mean, to to my to my dad's credit, he really was a bit more bark than bite because, you know, when push came like. He was still helping me like pay mm -hmm. bills or like, you know, spotting me some pocket money. He like bought my mm. first computer to when I first like went off to school and all this other stuff. But I think for him, he was just like, I don't know. It was just a period of like him having to come to terms with this at a pace that was comfortable for him. And mm. th by, you know, me also kind of giving him things that I you know, thought would help ease him into it. So like, I still went to university. I have a degree, all this stuff. It's like, it's a stupid degree, but it's a degree. <laughs> That's all they need to know. I was like, they need to brag to their friends about my yeah. son has a degree. Yeah. And that was it. And like, I still have a degree. And then I think it was also like the fact that I was doing this stuff and I was doing music as well on the side. And so I'd be like in school throughout the year, like, just managing and like dealing with it because like you know uh institutionalized education is a mess i think mm -hmm. across the board academia is a mess and it doesn't you know get cuter just because it's about art 
<laughs> and True. then I'd then I'd come home in the summer and then I'd like be on, you know, the the local news station because they were talking about like the music that I was making or Amazing. you know whatever and and you know when you're when when all the people you know kind of like meet you in the street and like my parents are very well-known people in Cayman because it's a small place and they're both teachers who had been there been teaching for years so it's like you know there's generations of people who like taught them and then their kid or that that my parents taught and then my parents taught their kids or whatever right they're an icon yeah it's like i'm a i'm like kind of a weird c-list celebrity but like i only get recognized like at the airport (laughs) um (laughs) it's a flex whatever take it yeah it's it's so it's so weird yeah, so after all of that, you know, and that stuff is all happening and I'm still doing the thing that you want and, you know, what are you going to do when all your your friends or your or people you know stop you in the street are like, "Yeah, I saw Paul on on the news or I heard him on the radio or blah 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 blah." What are you going to be like, "No, I disapprove of this?" Yeah. <laughs> I disapprove. Like, I made it. Came in. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I think over like over years and we're talking like over a decade of that happening, mm. they're now like I guess he does have it under control. Mm. And so when it finally came time for me to be like, hey, you know what? I've been doing all of this stuff that you don't really get and I can't explain to you. And I've been doing all of this stuff, which like, you know, pays the bills, kind of looks like, you know, what you envision for your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to leave this one behind to just do this thing. The thing that's like very visible and and super weird and abstract. Yeah. At that time, they were like, well, you know what? you're grown you understand this a little bit more than we do you've been obviously planning for this thinking about this for a long time uh you know your wife also has a stable career and Mm -hmm. you've been talking about this together this you're not gonna catch her off guard with this so (laughs) you know uh you know do what you gotta do um that's awesome though yeah so now i'm like hey parents and you i talk to them every week and they're like you know what's going on or whatever and it'll be like yeah, you know, I'm, you know, put in a bid for this or I'm trying to get this gig or I'm trying, you know, working on this thing or, you know, I had some really great, I had a really great press week or whatever or. They get and, it now. And so now they're like, they don't fully understand what most of this stuff means, but they're like, he's, he's cool. active, he's busy and uh, he paid rent this month. So. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, if we're talking about press week, uh. We have to talk about this BTS thing because you just had mentioned press week and I'm like, okay, so your parents don't really know, like, you know, like, I, it's like when I share articles, my parents are like, okay, cool, <laughs> like, nice. But then it's like, now you're adding a layer. I don't know if your parents know who BTS are. Not and a it's chance. like, okay, so I did this tweet and for my parents, I'd be like, okay, so this is Twitter and you can yeah. write thoughts. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about this group that's in Korea, but they have, you know, like, how did you... Ex- can we just talk about what happened there? Like, just break yeah. it down. <laughs> just break it down. 100%. This is this is the weirdest and wildest thing that has, <laughs> I think has ever happened to maybe any musical artist. So strap in. Um, oh, we're ready. <laughs> but basically, a couple weeks ago, this uh, music editor who writes for Stereo Gum, which is like a very respectable music publication, yeah. <laughs> uh, just decided to like, I don't know... I, I have no idea what possessed him to do this, but basically he like wrote like, this. 
Going against BTS and against the <laughs> army is literally the scariest social suicide you can ever do. So please so, continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've learned all. I've just gotten a crash course in all of this because I had <laughs> I just knew nothing about this. I was like, cool, BTS, K-pop. You know, they're doing, they're popping off, whatever. They're cool. Will, will never affect me. <laughs> but anyway, he just like decided to get on, and I guess he has like a like a regular column that he writes. And he's also working on a book about, like, the Billboard charts and, like, the history of the charts and all this other kind of stuff. So he's supposedly, like, an authority on this subject. But anyway, he Mm -hmm. decided he was going to log on and upload, like, 2,000 words or something about how the BTS fans are absolutely, like, scamming the charts, like, gaming the charts or, or, yeah, basically, I think the title was something like, uh, the Billboard charts are broken, and uh, the BTS is like number to one. Blame. Is <laughs> proves why. And basically, his uh, thesis was: uh, it seems the inauthentic, or was it inorganic? Was the word that he used? It's it's uh, such a hot button word in my <laughs> timeline right now. But inorganic <laughs> that uh, a a group's fan base can just uh, decide and coordinate to buy all the albums and send their favorite group to number one. And I was like, yo, dog, you're writing a book about this. How, how do you not understand that this is just math? That's the fundamentals. This is, (laughs) this is like the bare, like there's a, there is a lot of stuff that people are doing to scam the charts and having their fans buy the most music is not it. Cause if they had fans that could do that, they wouldn't have to be scamming. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a friend named Susan who bought the BTS book cover, like this two hundred dollar book. Cover. She bought a sweater. She has a photo card, and she has a sleeves that puts the photo card in it. She has literally, um, like boosted the Korean economy with all of her purchases. Yeah, and so what's interesting is like all of that that kind of behavior, that activity is great and people love to do stuff like that buying music not so much so mm-hmm. you see a yeah, ton that's of actually great so you have a ton of artists particularly western artists and like their management that have basically kind of like discovered this whole new thing called bundling which is mm-hmm. where you like uh, bundle like a cd sale or an album download or whatever with like the stuff people actually want which is merch like merch yeah and it still counts as an album sale uh even though the thing that people are buying in their heads in their intentions is a shirt is a sweater is a you know signed autographed uh poster whatever whatever it is but of course bts does not need to do that because like even the most cursory google search will reveal that buying albums is what k-pop fans do right like cds are still Mm -hmm. huge in asia streaming is only just beginning to kind of like really enter the 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 mainstream as it were as like the predominant form of consumption Mm -hmm. of music in asia and this is like not only Mm -hmm. korea like japan taiwan as well like a bunch of these places they still buy cds because they're like we'll make them good we'll make them look good we'll work hard on them we'll like hire great artists we'll hire great designers we'll hire great packaging designers and we'll make this a thing worth spending money on uh, and also, like, people like our music and people are yeah. diehards for us. So talk about your tweet. Like, what happened? The blowback, the fans. Let's like, I want to hear that part. So <laughs> this is this is the setup of it. This guy writes this article. I am utterly perplexed. Uh, so Great I work. get on and I'm just like, yo, my guy, what 
what is what are you saying what are you talking about right now did you you collect a salary and benefits from this website to write about music and this is what you fix your face to say like that asking your fans to buy your music is somehow scamming and is inauthentic or inorganic to like growing your career i was like i was like yo just what is this? Break it down for me. I and fully, what are you saying? Also, fully not expect, expecting him to reply because, you know, it's Twitter. I tweet a bunch, like, well, I guess what prior to like a month ago, I would tweet stuff and nobody would reply to it. And that's fine. And that's how I live <laughs> my life. But he got back to me. And, you know, we kind of got into it a bit. And we like went back and forth for about like 45 minutes. And, and it was late. <laughs> and I was like, and then he just kind of like dropped off. And as I'm going back so and forth. So you won. <laughs> naturally because he didn't have a real argument it's not a real point yeah. it's it's dumb and everybody knows it anyway and as i'm like you know going back and forth with him i can see a couple new accounts who don't usually like show up in my notifications kind of like liking things retweeting mm. things or whatever just a few and i'm yeah, like yeah. all right cool whatever i get like yeah this must be a this is a significant story because i'd seen a couple other people tweet about it too but i was the only person who had i guess the wherewithal to like comment on it huh. yeah and anyways i was like this is this is so dumb and i was like really annoyed like i was i was confused and annoyed those were the two dominant <laughs> sensations and this is like midnight or something and so after that i just kind of like shot out one more tweet and i was like you know what like i'm not bts i'm not anywhere near like any chart or whatever i you know, worked really hard on this record and I was on this website for like 600 straight days because I actually did the math, begging people to pay attention. Just throw it a stream, maybe buy it, whatever, support it in any way. Please, like, don't let me have quit my job for nothing, <laughs> you know? Mm. And I was like, this is, and, you know, because of that, just because of like that simple grind, but like, painstaking and kind of like again like tweeting to really note what feels like nobody mm -hmm. uh, yeah. all the time or it's posting on instagram to what feels like nobody all the time uh is exhausting and it's work and but you know what a small number of people who are not nearly in the numbers of like bts fans or anybody who lands on any chart anywhere made it worth my while right mm -hmm. like they responded to that they liked the music they shared it a little bit I was able to make my money back, which wow. is the first That's time. Good. This is good. the first time I've ever like made my money back, let alone profited off of any music I've ever released in my career. Amazing. And I was like, yeah. And that's what it takes just to do that. So mm. for anybody to like get on here, like as a professional music authority and say mm -hmm. that like anybody of any scale doing this simple thing of like, I made music, please buy my music. And then people responding to that is like absolutely infuriating. It's yeah. such an asinine take that that is in any way the wrong way to develop support. Support from people who actually like your thing and do the thing yeah. you ask them to do. Are you crazy? Yeah. Are you crazy Ask telling people that asking people to buy their music and them doing that is in any way like cheating or scamming? Yeah. The disrespect, get out of here. Because people work hard for their money and everything about the uh, like mainstream music consumption industrial complex 
is trying to get people to do anything but buy music yeah. and support mm-hmm. artists directly, right? It's all True. about like, yo, go run up these streams on Spotify so that yeah. three months from now we can get like a fraction of a penny per stream mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And it's all just like, yo, let's just inflate the value of our investments in these in these like platforms that are truly terrible for the artists at the end of the day and terrible for the for the listeners too because you don't own anything you don't nothing none of it is yours Mm -hmm. and yeah like it is wild that above all else uh and i mean above all else in terms of like the industrial complex of it all in terms of like the xenophobia the racism the othering of like niche genres all of this other kind of stuff that you would see another group's success doing all of these things at the very base level of what you do, which is we make music, you buy music and them succeeding over all of these other acts who you could like, you know, throw a rock and hit some problematic, you know, aspect of their operations. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane. This is disrespectful to the BTS fans. This is disrespectful to music fans anywhere. Like this is ridiculous. And then I went to bed. And then I woke up the next morning and my phone had just been blowing up all night long. Um, just <laughs> thousands of new followers, retweets, quote tweets, mentions, comments, people sharing my uh, my record, sharing full spectrum. Amazing. Being like, yo, this guy went to bat for us. He, but also <laughs> like his music slaps. Like this dude, awesome. this dude came on here. He like you know decided to shoot his shot, but he also didn't miss because his music is great and he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yo, tell everybody. And wow. uh, and the army came for you. And like, it, it came for you. It was it was honestly unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. And basically for an entire weekend, people just kept like showing me love across Twitter, PayPaling me money buying my music like just straight up sending me money via paypal all kinds of amounts and i was like this is truly like baffling and i was like yo is this what it's like to have people consider (laughs) themselves fans of yours and it's like really been messing with me for like a month because you know i've i've been very much content to be like you know slow and steady build up a base that like yeah really believe in and really believes in you and whatever yeah. that looks like you know whoever your stuff appeals to you know as long as you have that direct connection and that's really yours and really authentic that's cool and you know it's been a lot of people i know personally or a lot of people have like you know been able to connect with more personally even over the internet because you know i've only i'm only like tweeting at or like dming with like one person at a time Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden i had like thousands of people just being like we don't know you we don't know anything about you we've never seen your show but like we dig what you stand for and your music is incredible and everyone Mm -hmm. deserves to know it and they started putting it in their like their streaming farm playlist next to butter and uh, all of this other kind of stuff they started sharing it with people they started like buying it and i was like yo, this is unbelievable. 
and it was it it just so happened to fall on like the weekend of my anniversary so like my wife and i had a great dinner on, <laughs> on the dime of uh the bts army so Yo, thank you honestly, again bts army dime bts army is like the biggest untapped market that's like so much potential but kind of speaking about like you know even going back to your music you talk a lot about how obviously your experiences really help uh you know uh, um put together your craft kind of want to see um you know also grew up in the cayman islands maybe there wasn't a lot of asian influences either and also being you know chinese jamaican uh, um how was that kind of growing up um that experience of like kind of being black and asian in a maybe predominantly uh, non-asian communities and then also coming to toronto too yeah so i think that like the asian-ness that i like feel or that i kind of like think that i project into the world and kind of like is what is wholly me uh is very much formed from my time in toronto because it's 100 percent the most asians i've ever like you know <laughs> interacted with yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, i've ever like actually had not only interacted with but like had as a part of my life mm. since i've you know been on this earth uh so like there's a lot of that that i've like really been able to reconnect with for myself since moving here and since like you know, being around other people who are more like me. But I would say growing up, there was a, I think there was this uh, just longing to know more about who I was that I just couldn't really get. Cause like, you know, my dad, he, so his dad was like from Hong Kong, um, mm. but also like, you know, wasn't really around. He was kind of like only kind of around. My dad also like grew up with his grandma, like, cause his mom, you know, as was very common at the time in Jamaica, would be like off working wherever there was work. And sometimes that like wasn't even in the country. Um, mm. And so, yeah, like my dad is like a half and half like, you know, Chinese Jamaican person who uh, really and truly is, you know, not a person who's ever had the luxury of, I think, investigating or kind of like coming to know that sort of like cultural heritage because mm. it's you know it's not a priority when survival is a priority you know what i mean yeah that's totally. true you know it's not as priority when you are living in poverty or living in rural areas where opportunity isn't really there and and it's just kind of one of those things and then there's also like you know hundreds or thousands of other people who look just like you so it's like mm -hmm. yeah like you are you are uh chinese ish <laughs> or like you are you are chinese by jamaican standards and um mm -hmm. you know like jamaica is like a fairly relatively multicultural place um yeah but yeah it's also like not a priority for anybody because we're all like you know it's a lot of first gen immigration to a place that is like post-colonial and uh you know impoverished in a lot of ways and like has a lot of other stuff like a lot of other priorities to deal with mm -hmm. so yeah. like you know personal identity politics are not that interesting to like my parents generation i guess so there was that and so like when i was growing up there wasn't a whole lot that he could tell me about that you know what i mean like i never got to meet my grandfather uh i've heard the wildest stories you know some of which maybe i'll share off mic okay. <laughs> um, Love that. i'll share off mic but you know what my dad has like a bunch of like half siblings that you know he's only met a handful of times or mm. or what have you like i met my dad's older brother for the first time when 
I was like in high school and he, he lives here in, he lives here in Canada. He lives in Markham and I have like, you know, oh. cousins and like their kids who are wow. like my age who live up here and, and, but also like my relatives who are like my dad's age and my dad's elders who also like live here. And I was like, yeah, I just never would have met them had I not just happened to like move here. You know what I mean? So I'll, yeah, like growing up, there was very much a, a very, very superficial and cursory knowledge of self in that, yes, I am Chinese Jamaican. That's why I have this face and this last name, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, seems perplexing. But nobody can give me a good reason why that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, nobody can tell me anything about that. Nobody can tell me anything, what that means in terms of like who we are and what we do or whatever, right? Like we never celebrated uh, Lunar New Year growing up. But now you do you? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's cool that like you are reconnecting in Toronto, and that's like like I know it's gone on so long, but just like you know, coming here, obviously it's a bit different there. Like you said, like when I pe- speak to people in Hong Kong, some of my relatives, like they just wanted to grind, they just wanted to make money and have enough to go home. They didn't want to talk about anything else. Obviously, it's obviously like they're a more homogenous. It's like yeah, there are a lot of people that mm-hmm. look like you. Uh, you know, seeing someone who's black in Hong Kong might be, you know, for them kind of rare. Like, it's not completely rare, but it's more rare. But definitely not white people because it is post-colonial as well because that, you know, British people came through. But, like, you know, when you came to Toronto and then, you know, here, there's so much to talk about that. Of course, there's people who just want to grind and there's a survival thing. That's, like, a lot of immigrant parents who are, like, that's why they say, like, keep your head down. Like, we're just trying to survive out here, okay? Like, can we not just bring up this shit and get political, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, for sure. But, like, visibly and, like, how people treated you or, like, the questions you would get asked. Like, was there something that you really noticed? It's like, like you said, like, why is your last name that? Like, why do you look like that? And why do you look like that? Yeah. 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 Did you ever, like, feel a big difference when when you got here? Uh, Not so much when I got here. A little bit. I mean, I think just, like, Blasians in general are still, you know, pretty rare, pretty yeah. rare as far as like the, 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 the mixes with Asians. And, you know, mm-hmm. there are, there are reasons for that. <laughs> um, yeah. there are reasons why there aren't a lot of like black and Asian couples, um, yeah. that survive. Um, mm. but yeah, like, so I do definitely get that just in terms of like, you know, people's lack of exposure, um, but at the same time, like, I'm also in a place where this is the most I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah. Like, I know another Chinese Jamaican. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Chinese. Yeah, cool. Like, uh, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes that, like, spins off into, like, oh, do you know such and such? Um, <laughs> which, like, like, no. Which, like, unfortunately has actually been true, like, on one or two occasions. No. <laughs> um, You're like, damn it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm really trying not, I'm really trying not to, like, <laughs> validate this foolishness, but sometimes it is what it is. <laughs> Um, Not but gonna yeah. lie, I know that person. Yeah, you're, but no, you're right. Like coming to Toronto has been cool, and I think there's something also to be said about like our generation, and you know, having been afforded more yeah. uh, more flexibility to like actually pursue autonomous sort of like identity. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I know that you've talked about it on this show as well. You know, this idea of like, you know, when our parents got here, this is what they knew. This is what the deal was. This is kind of like. this is like the societal sort of like dream or, you know, bill of goods that they were sold and they were just trying to play into that. And now we're here and we're old enough to see that that didn't work out and we want to do something different. And, 
And I mean, that's like fully the story of my life, right? Like in, in no way, like, you know, when I was a child, could I have imagined my parents being even a little bit okay with like trying to comprehend the fact that I was going to like not have a job and live in a major metropolitan city of Mm. a country where Mm -hmm. I'm like not even a citizen and like be like making rap music, (laughs) like DJing, you know what I mean? Like that, that would never have occurred to them because they're just like, yo dog, we don't even know how they feel about us here. And they, Mm -hmm. and we look like them. We look like them. We, they, they know who we are. They know what we're about, but yeah, like life goes on all of this, everything comes out in the wash, right? Like eventually there was, there was no way that like history was going to unfold any other way than to be like, Hey, guess what? This whole thing of like model minority for like Asians or just like, you know, systemic uh anti-black oppression for black people mm-hmm. was going to just like be a secret you know forever yeah, like someone's gonna find out <laughs> yeah like that wasn't just gonna like stay on the down low much as like i'm sure a lot of people who invented this stuff would have loved for that to be the case yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. it wasn't go- it just wasn't gonna play out this way and now uh, now the generation that instilled in us these values of like you gotta you gotta study hard you gotta know about this stuff you gotta know uh, all this stuff you gotta read you gotta learn education is the most important and it's like yeah well guess what you were right we just educated ourselves on other things yeah. on other mm-hmm. things and on how mm-hmm. to like actually be in the places that like have been trying to assimilate us and have been trying to silently strip us of our culture or our identity rather than like allow us to contribute to it yeah right like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like i'm sure canada would love to say that like they're doing a great job of like multiculturalism but that's not really true it's just like no. you, you like it on the you like it on the brochure but you know you're not <laughs> yeah what's the, on the immigration papers yeah that... you, <laughs> no. you love that on the brochure but uh you know when it comes down to the reality of people who are like cool well this is what we do where i'm from this is what you know we're building this is or this is what like our diaspora has sort of like been forging into a new thing based on you know what we carried over from where we're from and Mm -hmm. what we've like learned and picked up here or been exposed to here and then you know the actual place itself being like no we're not interested uh put on Mm -hmm. some more put on some more brian adams uh who who we who we do not bang with right you know what i mean yeah yeah it's so nice, but though hearing about, um, we talk about how, you know, when our immigrant parents came, like their motive was just to grind. But even hearing your story, you know, <laughs> we've been fucking grinding and like sure it's yeah. not in the same type of grinding. Like we forget, and myself included, I'll take accountability, but like I, I forget about like the grinding skills that my parents have taught us. Like, you know, sure, maybe it's not the path that they wanted me to and they wanted me to grind to be a teacher, but like I'm so far from that. So like I feel like those skills that we do learn from um we do like to wrap up with asking if you have any advice for like younger creatives but i feel like yourself was kind of a you know figured it out a little bit later in life too so i shout out to all the late bloomers myself included um anything you want to share about you know advice tips advice yeah i mean i i am a person who loves to give freely of the knowledge that i have gained over the years because Oh God, how I desperately wish anybody would have told mm-hmm. me any of these things. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I'm 
I'm really just down for whatever people need and to support them if if I can. But yeah, as far as just like general advice, you know, take it easy. Like none of this is really that important at the end of the day. None of this is really that important. So yeah, just like work on work on doing the best that you can with what it is you want to do, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that there's something wonderful about, you know, being inspired and wanting to learn from, you know, whatever other people are doing and all this other kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, take those skills and and uh, and really know yourself and distill that stuff through your own voice, because nobody's no one's ever going to be able to beat you at being you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one's ever going to be able to do the thing that only you can do better than you. And however long that takes, I mean, just just trust the process. Stick with it. Mm -hmm. Be patient because, yeah, like your your time is going to come. Amen. Or maybe it won't. And even and that's fine, too, because I think, you know, the pursuit of of creating something is is still noble and is still worth it. Mm, For sure. Yeah. Find your people. It's different if you're like fine if you're bts of course you've made it but like there's different levels of making it anyways like there's mm-hmm. things that you should be proud everyone should be proud of you know what i learned bts like just like had albums flopping for like eight years before they oh, blew up big hit like they were grinding yeah yeah and i think that and i think that's honestly a maybe a little bit of like why <laughs> why the bts army has like I don't know, found such an affinity for me is because it's like, yeah, you know what? Same grind. It's it's just doing what I want, doing what I got to do, working hard at it, you know, and just kind of like I can't like life is too long to keep paying attention to people who want nothing to do with you. So everything, everything that I've done over the years is very much like, yeah, no, my stuff is perfect. And I know that. So like, that's not the conversation Uh, we are taught. I'm only talking to people who are into this because I'm a fan of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm a fan of people who are enthusiastic about whatever it is they're enthusiastic about, even if, you know, that's not me or what have you. But yeah, like I, I tapped into a group of people who are just like, we are enthusiastic about people who are, you know, good at music and also good at telling the truth. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's like great advice. And again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that. Feel like your whole story that you told us is already a big piece of advice. Like I feel like I need to reevaluate my whole, not my whole life, just parts of my life right now. Cause I'm like, drop some bombs. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I got to be human. I got to remember that I'm a human and I only have one life and I got to do it my way and blah, blah, blah. So definitely thank you for coming on the show and giving us so much of that advice and also sharing that amazing story. But really, I think what people will take away, and like you said, like we made, we started made in to like hopefully be a voice for a voice that we wanted, like to be like, mm-hmm. it's okay if you're Asian and you're not like this because that's not even a real thing. So like that was really cool. And so I thank you so much for coming on the show, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I've been very excited about this for like weeks so (laughs) i'm glad to be here thank you thank you for making this thing because honestly it's it's truly wonderful and i i i look forward to seeing where you know the next generation goes having been like inspired and like formed by this Mm -hmm. oh 
Wow, that's the pressure. That's the energy we need. Yeah, yeah you, you got it. It's already yours. Okay, we got it. <laughs> Thanks for joining <laughs> thank us, guys. You. And thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for listening to Made In. Email us at hi at imadein.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at imadein underscore. Thank you again.